Hi, good morning, and welcome to the School of Serenity. We are being broadcast by Walk to Serenity and by 4MTV, and we are a mental health initiative to bring mental health awareness globally. And so we've got an exciting show for you today. I am your host, Kara Keem. I am a psychotherapist, an energy worker, and an author, and I have a private practice blending holistic therapy and meditative practices as well as somatic energy work. And I'm so excited for our guest here today. We are going to welcome Chelsea Cole, and I'm going to share with you about what we'll be diving into today. She is a licensed psychotherapist specializing in narcissistic abuse and helping introverts and empaths thrive. She's also a certified partner trauma therapist, a registered play therapist, a level one certified Gottman Gottman Method Couples Therapist, and she's a board member of the Yao Foundation. Chelsea is also currently writing a book on understanding and healing from narcissistic abuse. And these are all such important topics and these credentials are incredible. So thank you for being here with us today, Chelsea. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me. And for anyone watching, I'll go ahead and tell you, you'll notice my cat's playing in the background. So I apologize for any background noise. It is morning where I am and they love their morning playtime. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I've had my daughter come in and sit on my lap in the middle of the interview. Oh. So we welcome pets, dogs, just, you know, real life this is just nitty gritty real life stuff, right? Very true. Yep. Yes. So you are on such an important mission and I love what you're doing to help people heal. Tell us about how you got into this field and why you specialize in narcissistic abuse. Yeah, I could talk about that for so long. I was yeah. um, <laughs> thinking about how do you shorten that? But basically, I tell people you can only have experienced so many narcissistic relationships until you have to figure out what's going on. Mm. And so I've had personal relationships with narcissists in home, family, work, intimate relationships, all of it. I get it. I see it so much with my clients. And so it was really just a combination of my personal interests, of course, as a therapist, wanting to understand people, why yes. they do what they do. Yep. And I've had these personal experiences. And so I just started taking a deep dive. What is happening? What is this crazy making guilt tripping relationships that I keep experiencing that my clients keep telling me about? Yes. And yeah, that it just kind of it went from there. And, and the really big thing is people in general, we're getting better, but people don't get it. I mean, you go and tell someone about a relationship issue you're having, you often get advice about how you probably need to communicate better. You know, they probably just misunderstood. I'm sure they didn't mean it that way. You should go share mm -hmm. your feelings with them. All okay advice in healthy relationships. Yep. But in narcissistic relationships that will completely backfire and keep you trauma bonded and keep you in the relationship so much longer than you need to be. Yes, absolutely. And we've got to bring awareness around that because it is the rules don't apply in therapy no. when you're working with somebody who's narcissistic. You throw all those healthy relationship, you know, communication skills out the window, they just simply don't apply. And I love that you've had this personal experience. I personally believe as a therapist that what I've been through and my hardships are what make me the therapist 
that I am. Mm -hmm. And that's what allows me to be able to help people. And so we do specialize in what we've personally experienced. I mean, mine is divorce, mine is highly sensitive people, yours is empath and narcissist. And I mm -hmm. think that, that hands-on experience, there is the training ground with our degrees that allow yes. us to really see people and meet them where they are. It's like, we're not just talking about it from this clinical perspective. We actually personally know what it is like to be in that position. Mm -hmm. Oh, so much. I mean, I, <laughs> I think because I've been through it, I often tell my clients, like, I'm helping you and I'm helping me and we're all helping each yes. other, like globally figuring this out because yes. it's not like I don't have any narcissistic relationships in my world anymore. I mean, this is still something that I have to deal with. And so when I'm, going through it, it just reminds me every day how in the trenches my clients are, how I'm still experiencing it. And I think it just makes you very present and very compassionate because you not you don't get it just intellectually, you get it yes. emotionally, physiologically, like you get it in every way. And I yes. think that really helps and hopefully um, kind of resonates with my clients as well, because they know I'm not just talking theoretically, I'm talking in real life. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what it feels like in your body. You mm -hmm. know what the boundary violations are. You have, you know, boots on the ground experience. Yeah. So tell us what are the signs that somebody could be in a narcissistic relationship or what are the signs of that abuse? Because I think that many of us, I've, I've been in them and I'm a therapist and I'm like, how did I miss the sign? Like, how did I miss it? I, I just, you know, I think many of us can get kind of sideswiped by it and not even realize. Have you found yeah. that? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, because oftentimes narcissists are really good at preying on people who are naturally compassionate, empathetic, yes. kind hearted, yes. assume the best, give second chances. Yes. I mean, the kind, yeah, the kind of people that you hope are therapists and are in helping professions. Yeah. So, Absolutely. We can be um, kind of drawn into these relationships too. So recognizing that you're in a narcissistic relationship is kind of multi-layered because you experience on every level. I think one of the first things that people start recognizing when they're in toxic relationships is the amount of overthinking that's happening, the amount of second guessing, self-doubts, self-criticism, self-blame, guilt feeling, feeling like you're on this never-ending merry-go-round that no matter what you try, no matter what solution, no matter how, quote, good you try to be or ways you try to make things work, mm. nothing is ever enough. I mean, the two mantras of a narcissistic relationship are you never feel good enough and nothing is ever enough for them. Like you can't win. And so if you can resonate with that, then I would highly recommend checking out more narcissistic or resources because it's highly likely you're dealing with some kind of toxic relationship. Right. Right. Yes, absolutely. And it's just, it's interesting because when you're in that space, you're feeling so vulnerable that you mm -hmm. really do think something is wrong with you. And it's, what would you say, how do we get sort of outside do you know what I'm saying there? Yes, yes, very much. And I mean, narcissists depend on that, right? I mean, they depend on you taking the responsibility. There is always this 
a, a relationship with a narcissist is always unbalanced. Like they don't take any responsibility. You take all the responsibility. Yes. Yes. They're not empathetic. So you're overly empathetic. Yes. Um, they don't self-reflect. So you self-reflect all the time. You end up feeling like you're doing the work for two people. Right. Okay. This is a good distinction. These are really yeah. key factors and it makes you feel a little crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you start? I've started questioning my own sanity sometimes because they are really, really charming until they're not. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. That's the, that narcissistic cycle of abuse is the idealized, the love bomb, because they have to have a way to draw you in. So, you know, they're charming, they're charismatic. Um, if you're dealing with a grandiose, which we can get into the differences of right. grandiose yeah. and vulnerable narcissists, but if you're dealing with like the typical narcissist, they're charming, they're they're talkative, they tend to be extroverted, so they're very alluring. If they very. they can be you know physically attractive, but there's just something about them that pulls you in. But then as soon as you're in, as soon as you're like, oh my goodness, I'm believing in this fairy tale, like this is amazing. That's when they've got you. Yes. And, and it's almost, my experience is like a flip switches. Mm -hmm. Is yeah. that what it feels like for you? It's like, they've got yeah. you in, you're in this fairy tale, and then there's a flip. This And it, I feel like I've been, there's whiplash. I'm left going like, yes. what, what just happened? Like it, yes. it was feeling so good. It's so disorienting. Yes. I was just talking to clients. <laughs> all the time, basically, but this morning um, about that. And there's a period when you reflect on the relationship where you know that the the flip switched, as you said, like it changes. And it's whenever you start settling into the relationship, when they feel like they've got you, you mm -hmm. know, when you're really invested, maybe you just got engaged, maybe you just, um, you know, committed yourself to the relationship, maybe you just got married. And then slowly, the criticisms, the contempt, the gaslighting, the belittling. They yeah. used to, you know, be so supportive of this thing. Now they um, criticize you for it all the time and they tell you how ridiculous it is and how stupid it is and what a waste of time it is. And they just find ways to slowly but intentionally poke mm -hmm. holes in your sense of self, your sense of self-esteem, your sense of self-worth until you no longer, you know, even feel like you anymore. Right. Right. And I've got to say, initially, I loved the love bombing. I was like, yeah. oh, this is amazing. This person <laughs> loves me so much. I now know it's a red flag. Here I am yeah. in my 40s. I now know it's a red flag. But initially, who doesn't love to be loved bomb? You know, yeah. because you're like, wow, I am this amazing. This person loves me so much. And so I think it's really important that we know that that intense love bombing is such a huge red flag. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If anything feels too much, like if it feels yes. too good to be true, yes, it, yes. Is. <laughs> it is. There's something wrong. And for us to kind of know what, what makes us sometimes susceptible to these relationships is if you have a history of not feeling good enough, if you have a history of um, questioning your self-worth or coming from maybe a narcissistic family system or one where you never felt good enough for a parent, then to initially be told, you're amazing to be showered with gifts and praise and yeah. adoration and admiration, all those things. You feel like you're finally getting your fairy tale, but yes. healthy relationships are slow and steady and they're made up of foundational values, you know, respect, honesty, loyalty, and narcissists completely lack that. So they're really good at 
at painting this great picture, but it, it lacks substance. Yes. Yes. And one thing I struggle with as the therapist is that I have clients come to me and they are, we have this magical connection because it's fast, it's hot, it's heavy. I've never felt this way before. You know, I've met my soulmate. They think of it as in these soulmate terms. And I'm sitting here and I clearly see all yes. the signs um, and, you know, try and point them out. But but they are just so deep in their fairy tale, it's hard for them to recognize it at that point. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. And that's why I often start with people helping them uncover past traumas, childhood, mm-hmm. you know, family relationships to help them see. Because you're right. If we try to start with um, kind of poking holes in their what they think is a fairy tale relationship, then yeah. they probably just won't come to therapy anymore. They, but if we, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if and I'm we like, can, by the way, this is a narcissistic abusive relationship. Yeah. We just haven't gotten to that point yet, but it's coming. I mean, that's yeah. not going to work, right? No, no. But if you can start with, wow, this sounds like really charming. Like this sounds like such an intense relationship. I wonder what your relationships were like growing up. Like, did you mm-hmm. feel really seen and heard and validated or did you always kind of feel like you weren't enough? And you can kind of go at it from like a, a backdoor perspective and help them see, oh, I have a vulnerability to really feeling uh, or wanting to feel needed or valued. And sometimes that can kind of help them put on the brakes a bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's good. Yeah. Thank you. Because I'm like, ah, I see it so clearly. <laughs> and it's hard when they haven't even gotten to the point yet where the flip switches, but you know it's coming. Yes. And even sometimes educating. I mean, that's where, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. You know, that's why I love talking with you and other therapists and, and raising awareness about this, because when people know what healthy and toxic feels like, there's so much more prepared, you know, to identify the difference. The fact is we're raised on fairy tales, you know, Disney movies. When you come from that, um, kind of culture you you are you assume that the the more romantic the bigger gesture the more they love you instead of oh you know healthy relationships are just consistent they show yes. up on time they're kind they're respectful yeah. like those are the things we should be valuing absolutely and it's it's interesting because um they do feel a little bit more boring compared to like, do you know what I mean? Like sometimes Mm -hmm. that consistency is like people crave those adrenaline rushes and the fire and all of that. But the healthy ones are just stable. And sometimes people can see the stability as more boring. Yes. And that definitely, I've seen that be true when you're raised in environments where there was like this hot and cold, like where there was a foundation for a trauma bond laid. Right. where a, there was, you know, love and affection and abuse and yelling and trauma mm-hmm. and a making up phase. Like when you grew up with that, then you start equating, oh, so, you know, people who love each other, sometimes they just yell. Or yeah. if so-and-so had a bad day, then they may come in and be critical, but then they're going to make up for it later. So it's okay. Right. And right. so, you know, those kinds of beliefs and expectations get kind of um, formed in childhood. So then you expect that in relationships. So the healthy relationships initially feel quote boring, but 
given enough time and healing, those relationships actually feel very safe and comforting. Yes. Yes. And I'm like, give me boring. I am yes. so ready for boring. <laughs> I've had all the fire, all the passion. Give me stability, safety, and boring. I am check, sign me up for that now, you know? Yep. But I do think that sometimes um, when we're younger or in different phase of our lives, we do feed off that, those highs of those adrenaline rushes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I can relate to that. Um, in my personal experiences, you know, for me, my dad was more of a neglectful narcissist, which we don't really talk about what even that is. Um, but they're just kind of emotionally absent. So initially, before I understood, you know, I would have been attracted to people who, you know, love bomb, idealize that yes. that whole phase because I was missing that. Yes. Now, yeah, no, my, my current relationship is, is very healthy and it's consistent and it's stable and it's all the, you know, quote, boring things, which now I just find completely comforting. Yes. I don't yes. want any love bombing. I'll take respect and kindness every day. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. It's, it's an evolution. It has been yes. for me, this, this evolution. So that's a perfect transition. Tell us about the different types of the narcissist. There are some distinctions there and different actual types. Yeah, that's something we don't often think about. But the presentation, depending on the type of narcissist, can look and feel very different. That's mm -hmm. something that will be in my book that I'm working on that we can talk about in a bit. But I really break down the main six different types and, and how they look and feel differently so you can recognize them regardless. But the two big types that we talk about are grandiose and vulnerable narcissists, or sometimes called covert narcissists. So grandiose narcissist is that typical narcissist you think of when you hear the term. They're charming, they're charismatic, they tend to be extroverted, they're pretty um, socially adept, so that they, you know, yes. they do pretty well making connections, yeah. and they're just very alluring at first, and so you're easily you know, drawn in by them. The, the vulnerable narcissists have the same entitlement as the grandiose narcissists, but their initial presentation is is more victimized, sullen. A lot of people think they're depressed, down on their luck. Mm. So they draw people in by getting people to feel sorry for them, oh. by getting people to kind of feel guilty for not helping them. Like uh -huh. a grandiose narcissist would say, world, look how great I am. But a vulnerable mm -hmm. narcissist would say, why doesn't the world see how great I am? Mm -hmm. And so both obviously play on uh, kind-hearted people, especially yeah. the vulnerable who yeah. just want to, you know, help you feel better about yourself. Maybe they think you're in a tough spot. So I'll help you, you know, let me t point out all the positive things about you. But the problem is mm -hmm. that's a never ending cycle. And you yes. start helping out of obligation instead of, you know, out of just a choice. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes. Well, and it's, it's so interesting because I'm a highly sensitive person and I think you might be as well, but empaths, highly sensitive people. I mean, my therapist told me uh, we will always attract those people. Yeah. Like it, it's not a matter of, oh, all of a sudden I'm at such a high vibration. Like I, they're not attracted to me. They will always be attracted. And then it's my choice to recognize and say no. Yes, absolutely. Is that true? I mean, they'll, they'll find you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I would venture to say that any of us will, all of us will um, experience a narcissist at some point mm -hmm. in our life, whether we realize it or not. But yeah. especially empaths, highly sensitive people are vulnerable or susceptible because narcissists are attracted to what they lack. And yeah. so yes. narcissists 
are not empathetic. They're not compassionate. And so they are drawn to that in you, not because they want to at least consciously be like that, but they'll end up belittling you, criticizing you. Uh, That's the the contempt. They have this entitled Mm -hmm. disgust for things that on some level they know they should be, but aren't willing to be or aren't willing to do the work Mm -hmm. to be, to act in those ways. So yeah, empaths, highly sensitive, just empathetic people in general will always kind of be, be alluring to narcissists. So it's really important for us to take responsibility and set boundaries and identify toxic people. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's, that's really important. Just, especially for my population, I work with all women who are highly sensitive. Yeah. Or it's like a sign <laughs> on your head. It's like, okay, you That's know. That's right. And yes. it seems to me that narcissists don't really seek therapy. They typically don't. Because when you think about it, narcissism works for them. You know, yeah. right? Yeah. A lot of times, narcissism, we, we uh, kind of value that sometimes in business and companies. If you're willing to put yourself first, your needs first. You're willing to brag about what you've done, always talk about your accomplishments, yeah. triangulate people and make sure that, you know, you're in the top position. Yeah. All of those things kind of get validated a lot of times in business and corporate America. Um, and then it works because people are attracted to their their charm, their charisma. Yeah. They get to control people's emotions and reactions by acting in entitled ways. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a lot of times narcissists are like, I'm not crazy. You're crazy. You have the problem. You need therapy. You're the narcissist. You know, yes. they project all of those things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we even see it in politics, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, politicians. It's within any, yeah. I mean, those are, I think political public figures are natural, have natural draw for narcissists because, you know, they yeah. have kind of like that built in status. But yes. honestly, you see narcissists at every level. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is this is all such good information. I'm just like taking it in because I just think it's so important that we recognize the signs and symptoms because I, it's easy. It's just easy not to. So tell us about your book. I'm so excited that you're going to bring this, you know, to a format where people can read and deep dive and learn more about this. Yeah, my motivation for the book is really to give people kind of an ultimate guide understanding to what you need to understand about narcissism and then what you need to know to heal. So the first half of the book is really about, like I said, the six types of narcissists. What do they look and feel like? How do you recognize them? What is the narcissistic cycle of abuse? What is narcissistic abuse? Because it is multi-layered. It is not just, you can't just, you know, simply say, oh, this is narcissistic abuse. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a process, it's a cycle, and it takes so many layers. So really understanding what that is. And then giving people a roadmap to healing. Like, what are the things you have to know? How do you set boundaries? What do you do about your personal susceptibilities or vulnerabilities to narcissists to make sure that you don't get into these relationships in the yes. future? Yes. So it's like a really good overview of all of those. And it talks about some, some different things and, and puts them in a book form so you can just have it and you can take it to therapy or it can, you know, jumpstart you into therapy or it can just be a, you know, a companion guide to your own healing journey. Oh, I love it. I love it. Do you have any projection date for when this is coming out? My intention is early next year. So that that's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Congratulations. This is so exciting. Yes. Thank you. I'm super excited. Yeah. I'm just so glad there will be sort of this guidebook. And so what do people do if they think they are in a narcissistic relationship? I mean, what is the first step? Because I find it's challenging to get out of them. Very much. Yeah. And so the, the first step is sometimes people even have to get over this hurdle of feeling like a bad person for thinking that they are with a narcissist. Because if you truly have been narcissistically abused, people carry a lot of guilt and shame about who, you know, and maybe it's not your partner. Maybe it's your mother, your dad, your sibling, your friend, yes. your coworker. And so people have a lot of beliefs around you shouldn't think bad about your spouse. You shouldn't think bad about your parent. So there's hesitancy to even address it. So I would encourage people first, just allow yourself to explore. You're not making, you know, harsh or quick judgments. You're not even saying, hey, you are a narcissist. Right. You're just opening yourself up to explore it. So really the first step is gaining that understanding and awareness of healthy and toxic relationships. Mm. What do they look and feel like? What's What should I expect in a healthy relationship? And if you're not seeing those consistent patterns of kindness, respect, um, admiration, empathy. If you're getting criticisms, mm -hmm. uh, contemptuous looks and statements and gaslighting and belittling and critici criticisms, and you just have a general sense of never feeling enough in your relationship, then mm -hmm. it's definitely worth at least exploring and seeing you know, what's happening in your relationship. And when does that stuff start usually? Uh, like the criticisms and the contempt when yeah it's it tends to come after the love bombing phase which there's no hard and fast rule of like right. how long that lasts right but it can be you know typically love bombing phase is a few months a yes. few weeks to a few months yeah but even within that phase you can still see warning signs so the fact okay. that it feels like too much that it feels like mm -hmm. a lot that's a warning sign and listen to how they talk about other people. Are mm. they telling you about their past relationships and saying, oh, my ex is so crazy. They're so, yeah. you know, they were so controlling. They're obsessed with me still. Yes. Um, if they talk bad about those relationships, yeah. um, they will start, you know, slightly gaslighting or criticizing you or maybe just saying something that makes you feel a little uncomfortable, but you think, oh, it was probably just a misunderstanding. They probably didn't mean it that way. Do they ask about you and do they share about them? So mm -hmm. narcissists are very comfortable sharing about themselves. Yep. And uh, sometimes in the beginning of the relationship, they will ask you, you know, what are your deep fears and dreams and goals? And you think, oh my, we're getting, you know, we're really getting into it. We're connecting. But yes. are they sharing just as much? And are they really there for you empathetically when you're having a difficult emotion? Because oftentimes narcissists, are just learning about that, you know, quote, deep stuff to mm -hmm. use it against you later. So, mm -hmm. you know, again, a relationship should be a natural progression. If you're talking about, you know, something on a first date that you really wouldn't expect to talk about until you're a couple months in, that that can be a warning sign too. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Because I'm looking back and I, I can think of someone who everyone they dated was just crazy. And I'm like, mm. well, this could be the first healthy relationship that they have. I'm a therapist. Right. I know how to communicate. And then it's like, okay, Kara. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> yeah, I had someone tell me that they were so happy that I was a therapist, that they just think it's amazing to have a partner and a therapist, that that's all they wanted and all they were looking for. Yeah. And I mean, obviously that should have been a red flag. Yep. But I was like, oh yeah, like, of course, because, you know, that would, that would be great. Oh, so you care about therapy. You want to improve. Yes. So I yes. just put a positive spin on it. But really they were saying, oh, you can be my therapist and my partner and my everything. Yep. And that yep. was too much. Yes. Yes. Too much. I've had the same thing. And I, I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, well, they're invested in therapy right. and they have this healthy want to work through things. And so yep. now I'm like, I am not going to be a therapist in my off time. That's a hell exactly. no. Like, like <laughs> exactly. I'm not going to be the therapist for my partner. You know, yeah. I think that's the big thing looking for an equal, you know, where yes. it just feels balanced and equal. You know, that feeling when it feels healthy, balanced and equal, you know, mm -hmm. they're looking to you as like the muse or the teacher or, or something like that. It's like, oh, mm -mm. you know, yeah. And that's what can be alluring at first. I mean, it especially when, when you're in the helping profession, I mean, hopefully you got into it because you wanted to help people. So you're kind of familiar and comfortable being in that helper role. Yeah. But you shouldn't be in that role, you know, in an intimate relationship it should be, like you said, balanced. And that's why we have to take time to heal ourselves in mm -hmm. order to be able to recognize that. Because if you've had toxic relationships in the past, if you were, you know, come from an enmeshed family system where there were no boundaries and everyone expects everyone to be available at all times and you do anything for the family and there's no boundaries there, then it's, it feels kind of familiar to be in a relationship where nice. someone also wants everything from you. It does. It does. So as we heal ourselves, we're more capable of recognizing and seeing the signs because yes. we know what the unhealthy patterns are that we're, we're healing through our own trauma work. Absolutely. I mean, I think if I had to sum up one thing that would be most helpful for anyone in any situation, whether you're in one, in a narcissistic relationship or not, is to trust your intuition. Yes. To have that moment where you take a breath and you, you know, you get grounded and you center in and you ask yourself, you know, how do I feel right now? Because mm -hmm. a lot of times in narcissistic relationships, we feel uh, we ruminate a lot. We're anxious. We yes. can even struggle with being productive or, you know, our work can suffer. We feel foggy. We feel confused. We feel mm -hmm. hypervigilant. You know, you feel so many things. And these are all warning signs. Like, yeah logically you may not know what's going on but your body knows because your body yes. reacts to energy yes 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 and yes i wrote a book on intuition i'm so oh, passionate wow. about intuition <laughs> and the body will let you know and i was just talking to my therapist and she's like if you are feeling anxious all the time it's not good for you let yeah. it go just let it go you know and it, it's so true with relationships when i find myself feeling really really anxious i also have an anxious attachment system so i'm yes. learning to tease out what is my attachment system and then what's the sign of this is not good for you you know and so right. we all have our own attachment systems we're working with too um but yeah you feel that anxiety in your body pretty chronically you know mm -hmm. when you're mm -hmm. in these relationships yeah, because you are always you you're kind of entering into a game you never intended to play. Yes. When you enter into a relationship with a narcissist, you are entering into the vortex that is the narcissistic cycle of abuse. Mm -hmm. You don't know that, 
but your body always knows something is off, that you're unsafe with this person, that they're looking for ways to criticize you. Your mind goes to work by trying to justify and logically explain and make sense of Mm -hmm. their behavior. And that's where we get all the justifications and excuses. Like you shouldn't have to work that hard for people's behaviors to make sense. Right. If you have to really think, oh, I wonder if they didn't mean that or that it was probably this, or I'm sure it was just this, or they had a bad day. Like if you're having to do that consistently, then there is a problem because people tell us who they are really are through their actions, not their words. Yes, 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 and yes, absolutely. And they tell us pretty early on, like despite the love bombing mm-hmm. and how it feels so good, like there are those things with the actions that you'll see emerging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, again, you have to take that time to yes. build your healthy sense of self because if you are starting from a like already feeling confused and self-doubt before the narcissist ever enters your world, mm-hmm. then you get in this you know place where you feel like, well, is it me? Is it them? You know, oh, well, I've always been kind of insecure, so it's probably just me. And right. so you self-gaslight, you question your own reality yep. constantly. Yep. So if you can, you know, get to a healthier place where you listen to your body, you listen to the reactions, you learn to trust yourself, yes. then you can actually, it's so much easier at that point to differentiate and to discern, you know, the healthy ones from the toxic ones. It is. It is. Yep. Just getting into your body, seeing how you feel that intuition and not questioning yourself. Like when we start wondering if we're insane, ding, 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 ding. Like you're you're in an abusive relationship. I don't care what it looks like or how you can justify it. You are in one. Yeah. And that's something I often ask people too, is to think of a healthy relationship. A lot of times, many of us are more forgiving of intimate partners, but less so of relationship or friendships. So a lot of times we'll have healthy friends, but then we'll still pick toxic partners. So I'll tell people, you know, think of your friend, like what's the healthiest relationship, you know, okay, they have someone in mind. I'm like, okay, do you ever like question yourself constantly when you're with them? No. Do you ever feel, you know, unheard, disrespected, criticized? No, it feels really supported. Okay. They listen to you, you know, when you have a problem. Yeah, they're very empathetic. Okay. There's your healthy model. This Mm -hmm. is how you should feel in an intimate relationship. But because of family dynamics, attachment issues, traumas, we make excuses for partners that we don't make for friends. Yes. Yes. It's so true. Ah, it's so true. This is all such great information. So tell us, do you have any parting tips or parting words? I mean, you've given us so much great information, but is there anything you want to leave our audience with that um, stands out? As- yeah. Yeah. I know so much, um, so, so many more avenues we could explore, yeah. but I think trusting your intuition and as you know, all too well is, is key. That's going to be a big Part of of my book as well as exploring that aspect because it's so big. But I, I guess the the three R's that I tell people um, to kind of keep in mind to deal with narcissists is resist, recognize, and recover. Mm. So resist means start mm. slowly setting those boundaries. 
recognize means doing the work to build, you know, awareness and understanding of what's happening and recover. Make sure you do the healing work, because if you don't, you leave yourself vulnerable for those future narcissistic relationships. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, so much wonderful, powerful information. I am so grateful you were able to join us. And how can our audience find you and connect with you because you're doing such incredible work? Yeah, well, I'm on almost all the social media. You can find me at Chelsea Brooke Cole. If you want to go to my website, I have more narcissistic resources, like free resources, articles, videos, all kinds of things. Um, If you really want to stay in touch and if you want to be notified about my book, I would encourage people to go to ChelseaBrookeCole.com slash newsletter, and you can sign up there for my bi-monthly narcissistic abuse newsletter, and that'll be where I will first tell people about my book opening as well. Oh, great. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. It's been a pleasure and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and continuing to help the world understand how to get out of these toxic relationships. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad we could talk about it. Yeah. All right. Take good care. All right. You too. Bye-bye.